I'm going to read out of the book of Acts, out of the book of Acts, and it reminds me of the story of the woman who was woken up in the middle of the night. She heard a disturbance down in the kitchen, and she raced down there to find a burglar had broke into her home. She was so terrified. She was so stunned. All she can do is yell at the top of her voice, Acts 238, Acts 238. The burglar was frozen solid in his tracks. The police finally arrived, and they took the man away, and they asked him in the squad car, why did you freeze up when that lady was yelling at you? All she was doing was yelling at you, and he says, no, she wasn't. She said she has an ax and 238s. <laughs> I'm not going to read Acts 238, but I am going to read Acts 16. I had to do it. It's just too funny. In Acts chapter 16, verse 23, it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Did you hear that? All the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. This whole prison was loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his own sword and was bound to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Let's say that together. For we are all here. I want to talk to you this morning about the big picture. God sees more than we can see. He has a bigger picture and a bigger plan than most of us see when we get into tough places. So Lord, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. We're going to trust you and we love you today. And Lord, we've been praying before these folks even got up this morning that they would have ears to hear and hearts to receive this word. Thank you. It's going to go in good soil in Jesus' name. And all God's men and women said, amen. amen. You could be seated. And would you give the worship team one more round of applause? Thank you, worship team. So much. They'll be back shortly. But I want you to know, too, uh, I just want to kind of reiterate what Jennifer said, that Wednesday nights, I know it's tough for many of you to get here, but I want to just brag on Jennifer. Ladies, you really need to uh, make the investment to come, men as well with myself and Frank, but I just, I, I, I live with Jennifer, so I know the, the prayers and the, and the hard work of study and preparing God's Word. Ladies, it's worth your investment. Uh, to come and dig into the book of James. It's starting Wednesday night, 6.30. We have something for all your children. Men, you're going to go with myself and Frank, give you a good word for uh, long uh, that will help you. But ladies, I really want you to invest. It's important uh, to go. And, and I don't want Jennifer to, to be in there and pour out all this magnificent stuff she's worked so hard on and you not being able to receive that because, you know, you're not making that investment. So do your best to make that investment. It'll be a blessing for you and your family. I want you to think about something this morning because this story is really a magnificent story. But let me give you a backdrop of the story because some of you have never read that passage. Paul and Silas are causing havoc in the city. They're preaching the gospel. They're encouraging people in God. They're bringing signs, wonders, and miracles. And the apostle Paul has just delivered a demon-possessed girl. A host of many demons were in her, and he cast that thing out of her. Now, the owner of that slave girl was angry 
ministry because no longer was she able to interpret dreams or, or predict the future, I should say. And they were angry because they were making money off this demon-possessed girl. And as a result of her being freed by the hand of God, the apostles were uh, seized by the guards and they were ordered to be severely flogged and beaten. Now they're under guard in the inner cell, shackled hand and foot, the Bible says. But something happens that changes dramatically. God Almighty sends an earthquake and it shakes the foundation. It opens up the doors, unshackles the chains that are upon them. It was an earthquake that was sent. The Bible tells us why. Because of their singing and their praying. They're singing and they're praying. Those are two potent combinations that God begins to use to bring forth mighty work. And I want you to know, the Bible says while they were singing and while they were praying. You would think, however, when an earthquake comes, shackles of foundations begin to open up, prison doors release, shackles fall off. You would think that that was your ticket to get out of jail. In Acts chapter 12, we see a similar occurrence. The apostle Peter is locked up. He's chained and the angel of the Lord comes and sticks Peter on the side and says, awaken Peter. Your chains are released. Literally walks out of the jailhouse free back to the congregation, the people that he loves. Now, no longer is it Acts chapter 12, it's Acts 16. And they're singing and praying and an earthquake comes. Foundations shake. Doors are open. Chains unfound. All of a sudden, it would seem to me, if an earthquake or an angel, that's God's way of getting his people out of jail. It would be like a new doctrine. If an earthquake comes or an angel comes, that's your get out of jail free card. That's how I look at it. If I was in prison, if it was the apostle Paul and awesome Joey, if I was locked up in jail and I was in there because I've been falsely accused for helping people and they had beaten me down with many blows. If I was in the inner prison and I'm praying and I'm singing and I've just delivered this host of devils out of this person and I receive that miracle, the earthquake opens up, the cell doors, my chains fall off. Can I just tell you, I'm gone. Acts 16 would read like this. An earthquake came, awesome Joey left singing a song, Jehovah Jireh. I'm gone. I don't understand what the earthquake is for, for they stay in jail. God shakes the foundation, opens up the door, takes the chains off, and they're still there. Paul and Silas get this opportunity to leave, but yet they turn it down. Now get this, not only do they turn it down, but everyone else turns it down. No one leaves. I thought the earthquake was sent to get them out of prison. You pray down heaven, you're praising down heaven, you're singing down heaven, the praises are coming down, earthquakes are happening, prison doors are opening. I'm reading the story and thinking to myself, what have I missed? For the Bible says in verse 28, all of them stayed. All of them stayed. That is a mind-boggling verse when I read that. All of them stay. Because usually people in jail, if you've ever been in jail, how many of you have been in jail? Don't raise your hand. But when I was a little boy, I was, uh, some of you know my story. I, I was, uh, when I was a juvenile, I got into a lot of trouble. I wasn't raised in church, so I was on my own since I was 11. So I, I've been incarcerated in juvenile hall and, and those type of things. And 
I'll never forget the first time that I was incarcerated as a youth. Can I tell you when the door shut, when they put me into the room and the door shut, can I tell you the first thing I thought about when the door shut was, I want to get out of here. If you would have opened the door and said, it's time to go, Joey, I would have left. That's what most people do. They're in jail. They want to leave. Nobody ever gets in jail and says, you know what? Keep me here for many months. I have never met anybody, but yet when they come out of jail, you ever see those people in the neighborhood, they come out of jail, they act like it was like no big deal. They walk around like they've been shot in the hip. They got it all going on. They're the big boss applesauce. You know, they, they were in jail and, you know, they wanted to be there. I've never met anybody that has been incarcerated truly and wanted to stay when they had a chance to leave. So what in the world is the earthquake for? They're all sitting there. This is prison, folks. It's not a church service. They're all there. What's the earthquake for? Perhaps, maybe the release was not for a release at all, but maybe it's for something bigger because God always sees a bigger picture. I read this passage and what I see is instant freedom. Let's go. The earthquake, the jail's open. Let's go. But that's not what the apostle sees. The apostle sees what God sees. The apostle Paul and God are seeing the same thing. And that's, friends, what you and I need to do when we get into a difficult time. We need to ask God to show us what he sees. That's why the book of Ephesians tells us that the eyes of our understanding, let them be enlightened so we would know the glory of the gospel that's in Christ the Lord. Something's happening here where Paul says no to an opened door that God brought. It's not meant for us to leave, but there's a bigger picture that's taking place. I want you to realize this morning how important Acts chapter 16 is. When you study the Bible and you study New Testament theology, Acts chapter 16 is a phenomenal chapter. All throughout Acts 16, the disciples end up in Philippi. That's where they end up in Acts 16. But I want you to know they didn't want to go there. They wanted to stay in Asia because God was moving in Asia. So they asked the Holy Spirit, let us go to Asia. And the Spirit said, no. They wanted to go to this place and that place. And the Spirit forbid them. They wanted to go to Bithynia. And the Spirit said, no. He gives vision to a man in Macedonia in Philippi. That's what God gives the apostle, this vision of a man in Macedonia in Philippi. Everybody say Philippi. Philippi, you have to remember because you don't know where that's at geographically, but they wanted to stay in Asia, but God says, I'm ready to do something in Europe, in Philippi. I'm reading this passage and I'm thinking, God's doing a bigger picture. I think something's beginning to happen because God's saying, I want you to go to the man in Macedonia and Philippi because God wants to move across the ocean and take a church that is is going to take off in Europe. It was the, listen, it was the, uh, it was the responding to the forbidding of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have never been told that. They were responding to the forbidding of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what maturity is, I don't think maturity is found in every gift that God gives you. I think maturity is found when you're told by God, no. I think that's when true maturity begins to operate, not with the gifts and talents you have. True maturity is found when God tells you no and you stay put. 
You know, I have two little girls. They're not so little anymore, but when they were real little, you know, when I would give them things and I gave them things often, you know, I would always uh, do my best to provide for them. And when I'd give them a little extra stuff when mom wasn't around, you know, they would seem very, very mature. When I'd give them gifts, they would like, thank you, daddy. Daddy, you're so, uh, thank you, daddy. I mean, maturity was rising. I was thinking, man, these girls are really mature. But all of a sudden, my youngest daughter one day, she wanted something and I told her, which is not often, I told her no. She was forbidden to do something. And you know what happened? She got an attitude. She was no longer, thank you, daddy. Thank you, daddy. It was like, Really? You're going to stick with that answer? It was no longer, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now we've copped a little attitude. All of a sudden, their age showed and because they were forbidden to do something. And that's what happens with some believers. Oh, they've got all these wonderful gifts and talents. Oh, put me up here. Let me preach. Let me sing. Let me lead this. But then you say, hey, you might want to wait a little bit. Why don't you try doing this or doing that? All of a sudden, you tell them no. Even if they've walked with Jesus 37 years, you'll find out how mature some Someone really is when you tell them no, because the first sign of power a man or a woman has are the things they're willing to say no to. And two no's that the disciples receive from the Holy Spirit begin to open up this magnificent door for a yes, for God to do something much, much bigger than the circumstances that they were currently under. I want you to stay, not in Asia, because God sees a bigger picture, because I'm about to plant a church in Europe so that there'll be conferences in France. I'm going to build the church in Russia. I'm going to build the church in Poland. I'm going to bring my ministry to uh, Russia and to the Ukraine. You see, God needed to open that door to Europe. And guess where it happened? Philippi. Everybody say Philippi. It happened in Philippi. That was the first church. If, if was, if, it's as if God was going, I got two converts. If you read past the passage or down before it, he's got Lydia, fashion designer, for whatever reason, she only deals in purple. It's all the scriptures say, fashion designer, hooking it up with purple. I wonder why most churches are purple, even this one, right? Royalty, brother. So she's, he's got Lydia, fashion designer, the convert. She's only dealing with purple. She can be the usher. Now you've got ex-demon girl. I think we'll put her in children's ministry. She understands kids. But that's not enough because you need a deacon. And a deacon is going to be a jailer who just beats you down. And you need that person to stay there so the church could be started right there in Europe and in Philippi. He saw a jailer that needed to live. That's why the apostle stays. Why is that important? Because the custom was, we read it. If you lost somebody on your watch, if they escaped while you were the guard, you were dead instantly. That's why he drew his own sword. He was going to kill himself because that was the custom. If you lost anybody, you are 
are dead. The escape was terminal for the person that was watching you. And there are times, friends, just because you have an opportunity to get out of something that's difficult, it may not be God's open door at all for you to leave. Just because you have a job that's tough doesn't mean it's time to go. Just because you may be in a difficult marriage, it doesn't mean it's time for a divorce. Just because you're living in a difficult city and now you're saying, God, give me an open door. I'm leaving this city. Doesn't mean God's telling you to leave. God may be keeping you in what seems difficult because he has a bigger picture and a bigger plan that he has placed in your life. God always has a bigger picture. And so often we are just wired this way. We think when an open door comes, this is God wanting us out, especially when it's a difficult time. And sometimes it's a greater testimony I've learned to stay than it is to leave. It's a greater testimony to stay the course than it is to leave. Paul stayed, but so did every criminal that was locked up. Now, one apostle, two apostles staying, that's pretty cool. But all of the prisoners staying, that's a miracle. Now, why did those criminals stay? I know why they stayed, because of verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were singing and praying unto God. It it was them that were praying and singing hymns unto God. And the scripture tells us what was going on. It throws it in there, this little caveat, and it says, the prisoners were listening to them. They were singing praises unto God, shacked, locked up, shackled head and hand and foot in the inner prison. And the prisoners are listening to them. It's that unconscious witnessing. It's witnessing that's happening when you don't think you're witnessing. Often we think as a believer, I've got I to gotta say the Romans road to him, Joey, and I've got to save him for Christ. I, I used to have people all the time, I led this person to the Lord, and, led, and they always try to, like it's a notch on the belt, and it's not a notch on the belt. It's a person that you're influencing for Christ, whether you use words or not. But so often when we get religious and we, and we think we have to do it this way or that way, and we have to lead them down this road or that road, that's not the witnessing power. The witnessing witnessing power is you don't know you're really witnessing until the trial comes, until adversity comes, because that's when it really counts, because people are watching. The world could care less about you singing your little Christian song and your little Christian bumper sticker, One Way Jesus. I told you, that's why I don't put Christian stickers on my car. I drive like a maniac. You get in my way, I will zip around you, Jack. The cops in here are very friendly. They know me. They say, oh, Joey, man, it's cool. Just go ahead. I'm teasing. Sometimes they do. But I think it's more important not what you say, but what you don't say. Not how you're leading them, but how you're living your life. It's important to know because the world doesn't want to know what songs we're singing on Sunday. It's not about what Christian lingo we have. We so get religious. If you get any religion, then you start everything. Glory to God. You ever get around a religious person? They're irritating. I mean, you can't even have a normal conversation with them. How you doing? Glory to God in the highest. That's how you're doing. And I don't think the world wants to know your glory to God's in the highest. I think the world wants to know if you can sing when you got prison clothes on. Can you sing 
when you've got issues going on in your life? Can you honor God even though it's been a difficult time at work? The world is not interested in you singing in an air-conditioned servant like this with the Spirit moving because we've got a wonderful anointed worship team. The question is, can you do it in jail when there's no church service, when nobody's around? Can you do it because other people are listening? Can those hands be lifted up and got a shout of victory even though it's difficult at work? Can there be a song in your heart that even though things are not going your way, that's the difference. It's not what you sing. It's not how you sing. It's where you sing that makes all the difference. It's not what you sing. It's not how you sing. It's when you sing and where you sing. That's the key. And I think the prisoners were going, something's happening here. Something's going on here. They just got beat down by the guard. They're in the inner cell and they still are singing. Their feet are shackled, but they still got a song. I can see them sitting there. All of a sudden, the prison issue clothes on, probably blues because they're rookies in the jail. And they're just singing a song unto God. There's no worship team. There's no awesome Kyler on the drums beating it down. There's no color-coordinated couple up here with angelic voices. There's no James who's always got a smile on his face, looks like heaven's come inside his heart. There's no Gaylene with that instant anointing and no, uh, with no bearded wonder Jerry licking on the guitar. And there's no personable Pat anointed on the keys. This is prison, folks. This is jail. And they're singing unto God. No worship team. Nothing's going on. I can see them kind of just clanking those chains together, going, it is well with my soul. It is well. I told you I can't sing, but heaven, it sure sounds good. With my soul, it is well with my soul. You can still have joy, even though it's been a difficult week. You can still sing battling sickness in your body. You can still sing going through issues with your family or financial difficulty. See, that's what people are waiting for. They're listening for those things, that unconscious witnessing. Some of you are sitting here and saying, man, it's been difficult, Joey. I can't sing. I'm going through stuff. And now I'm looking for God to open this door so I can get out. But every open door, every job opportunity that comes your way may not necessarily be God. Just because you've got a job to do or something opens up, you've got to pray about it doesn't mean you're supposed to go. It may be something that needs you to stay the course to witness for them for the glory of God. Just because every door opens doesn't mean you're supposed to go just because the foundations open up, just because the doors fling open. Sometimes when we say no to attractive opportunities reveals that maturity is really inside our hearts. And that's important to know because sometimes we just go, I can't tell you in the years I've been here in Stockton, how many wonderful couples that I've prayed for as they've come to me after they've made a decision, after they've, they've, they've got the realtor, after because they've said yes to a job opportunity, but never ask God if they were truly to leave their former job or to leave the church which they were planted in. But yet all you can do is say, hope you prayed about it. Hope you sought the Lord about it. I can't tell you how many opportunities that we get as ministers to, to leave and to go to other places. And 
because you've got to weigh those things in the balance and you've got to pray about them. Just because doors open doesn't mean you're just supposed to go. But sometimes we, we tell God, open the door and I'll leave. And God's going, that might not be the door that I've opened. Remember, Satan opens doors as well. The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. That sounds like a wide open door to me and narrows the door that leads to the cross of Christ and few that be that find it. He didn't say many. He said few that be that find it. He said the sheep hear my voice. They hear the voice of the Lord. They hear the voice of the shepherd. They know when they're supposed to stop and when they're supposed to go. The Bible says the steps of the good man and the good woman are ordered of the Lord. And friend, I'm here today to tell you, and so are the stops. When God says, stop it, shut it down, something's happening here. Now the church in Philippi, it's set. You got purple fashion designer, Lydia, who's only hooking up purple. You've got the deacon, the jailer. You've got ex-demon girl, now children's ministry. And that's the beginning of the church. Some of you have never heard that before. And I guarantee you, every prisoner that got parole went to that church. Everyone. But do you know what, friends? All of it can be forfeited if they decide to leave and not do their own thing. All of it is gone if they don't listen to the voice of the Spirit and not go into Asia. All of it is forfeited if they leave at the earthquake. And what I'm concerned about with the modern church, not just our church, but all of us as individual believers, I'm concerned that we so don't understand God's voice that we would immediately leave with an earthquake. I'm really concerned for us individually, but I'm concerned for us as a body of believers corporately that because we're so manifestation chasers of signs, wonders, and miracles that we would leave at the instant an earthquake comes and we wouldn't stay the course because we haven't listened to the voice of the Spirit. And God's saying, stay, stay, because I'm going to produce a bigger picture as we close our time this morning, I believe that one of the most incredible days in human history is found in the Old Testament. That's why the Old Testament is so important. I had a, a naive Christian years ago tell me, Joey, you spent a lot of time ministering out of the Old Testament and not always in the New Testament. You need to preach out of the New Testament only. And I said, son, grow up. You don't know your Bible. You couldn't find John 3.16 with a C&I dog. The Old Testament gives you types and shadows of God's magnificent miracles from Abraham giving you the shadow of what it means to live in faith and the type of shadow of Joseph being the savior and or deliverer to shadow in the forerunner for Jesus Christ. And here we have something that happens in the Old Testament that is literally giving us the proof positive in Acts 16. It's Joshua chapter 10. It's the most incredible day of all days. Now think about it. It's the day that God stops the sun. So Israel and one man can fight. Joshua 10 verse 14. There's not a day before it or after it, and there's never going to be one where the God of heaven listened to the voice of a man. For the scriptures say the Lord fought for Israel. He stopped the sun. Joshua needed to defeat these guys called the Amorites. But there was a problem because the Amorites were not on Israel's schedule to take out. God wanted Israel to take out the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were over the hill. They were on the pre-battle plan schedule for Israel to take out to get to the promised land. 
not the Amorites, it was the Gibeonites. And what's important about that, because the Gibeonites knew that Israel was bad to the bone, that Jehovah God was moving with power. And so what did they do? They entered into a conspiracy. They put on this vast array. They got all these old clothes and moldy old bread and old beat down sandals. And they come staggering over the hill of Joshua in the camp. And they, they literally say, we're from a long way off. We need to make covenant with you guys because we're so far away. We need some help. We're hungry. We're starving. We need protection. And the Bible says something amazing. They get into this contract, this covenant. They're fighting these Amorites and they're not supposed to uh, fight these guys. But before they do, it's because of the Gibeonites. In Joshua chapter 9, verse 14, there's an in, a scathing indictment, devastating words. They did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. They didn't ask. So Joshua gets duped to make a covenant with these people that he was supposed to take out and kill. He's in covenant with them. And guess what they do? After this covenant is made, they literally go, hey, we got to come clean. You know how we told you we were from a long way off? No, we're right over the hill. We're from Lodi. As a matter of fact, not only are we from Lodi, but we're next on the schedule for you to wipe out. But now you can't touch us because we're in covenant relationship. And by the way, BTW, these pesky little Amorites, they picked a fight with us and we can't defend ourselves. So you, Israel, we know you're bad to the bone. We're in contract together, and now you've got to fight our battles for us. Joshua makes the covenant a bad decision. They say, we need your help. And Joshua literally stopped what he was doing to fight for these people that he was supposed to take out. Could you imagine everything inside of him going, I don't want to help these people. I've been deceived. I've been lied to. I'm in contract with them. Everything inside of him wanted to leave. But because he honored what God honored, because he didn't take the easy way out, he fought for people who are not a part of the promised land. Do you know God stepped up and God literally honored that commitment? He literally started working miracles for him. He stopped the sun in its tracks. And the Bible says he started to confound them. And then God got really involved and he gathered his right hand and he picked up stones. And the scriptures say he hurled boulders from heaven on the enemies of Israel from a bad decision. He chose to stay in a difficult time. And God says, you want to see my hand? You want to see my miracles? You stay the course, even though it's difficult. And watch what I can do. There are some, every time we get an opportunity to see, we look for opportunities out. We do. It's our nature. Look for ways to get out of this city. Believe me, I know the exits to this city. I know how to get out of here. You don't think I don't think about it every Monday morning? Hmm? They weren't responding today, Lord. They didn't show up. They didn't pack it out. I'm leaving and I'm picking up my toys and I'm going. Just because you want to get out of a city, looking for ways to get out of a location, 
looking for ways to get out of a marriage. Maybe perhaps God's saying today, stay. Watch the miracle, what I can do. It can be a day like no other days where God begins to fight for you. See, some of you need to be told the answer is not divorce. You may have reasons to divorce, justifiable, but God says, stay with me, watch what I can do. But God, he hates you. He's a stone-slinging God. Don't you think he can't save your rebellious husband? You say, well, that old goat, no, no, preach to him, love him. And what God is asking for through all of us today is that we would be people that would trust him. He knows more than we'll ever know. He sees way bigger than you and I will ever see. He's a God that understands more than we will ever understand. And God says to many of us today, hold on. You think you're supposed to leave? God goes, no, no. You watch me, how great I am, show you when you stay. You can trust his plan. They're much bigger than your plans. God can see every open door, friends. I've learned this. Every open door doesn't mean you're supposed to go. And just because it's tough doesn't mean you're supposed to leave. He can see more than you can see. It can be a job, a marriage, a city. It could be a church issue. It could be an instance where you've been offended or you've been lied about or lied to. But I want you to know, as God says, stay the course and watch what I can do. Hallelujah. Can we stand together? All over the building. Can I tell you why you don't need to keep focused on opportunities only, but you got to keep your eye on the prize, the master? Because there's always somebody waiting for you. There's always somebody looking to you for the answers. There's a jailer that needs to be saved. The one who afflicted, the Bible says, many blows. I'm going to save him. And isn't it amazing that the jailer brings Paul and Silas home to his house? The one that just beat him, and now he's washing their wounds. So today, maybe God's saying, stay put in that job, in that marriage, in this city. You can trust me. You can trust me. He's a trustworthy God. I want you to think about something today. The Bible says while they were singing and while they were praying, God began to move. And then in the moving, they were listening to God and staying. But yet God moved because they were singing and they were praying. What would it be like if Oasis Church really captivated the singing and the praying together? What would it be like if you as believers really caught fire fully of what God was doing in the city through the ministry? You know, many of you don't know this. As a matter of fact, all of you don't know this, but I've got I've to tell you, we have, and you've never been told this before, but I, confession is good for thy soul. We have high standards for people to get in here. We make sure that anybody who comes in Oasis ministry, that they've been, they've been tried and tested by God. Nobody gets in here without being highly favored. Nobody gets in here without the anointing of God. Nobody comes in this building and under this ministry without God ordaining to be here. 
Do you know nobody is in here? We have high requirements for this church that the people that God lets in here are highly favored, that they are anointed and they are loved and they have great abilities and they've got strength in the day of battle. The people that God allows in here, and this is a, we process this through, they are anointed and they are chosen of God and they are equipped and well able to do great and mighty exploits. You see today, friends, you were been, you've been streamlined for such a time as this, for your anointing, for your calling, for your equipping. And God is saying, stay the course. Watch what I can do. Watch the miracles I can perform. Do what others cannot do because I've equipped you to do them.